He's back on this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Joey Ikes. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions may apply. I'm joined again by my good friend Cameron Honesty, who works with me at Aggies Wire. And Cameron, we got some pretty big news on yep. Tuesday evening where we learned that Bravion Rogers, the LaGrange cornerback from LaGrange, Texas, who decommitted from AM a little over a month ago, or a little under a month ago now has decided, you know what, AM is the place for him, and he is recommitted and is rejoining the Aggies 2023 recruiting class. Talk a little bit about this process that we've sort of gone through with Bravion for the last month. And, you know, just before we get before you get started, you know, I think it's important that these kids have the opportunity to live and embrace this process and whatever that looks like. And I think the fact that and I've talked to, you know, John Garcia, our, our guy from Sports Illustrated, about this exact topic, about how the schools that allow these prospects to sort of live this process and who don't get overly caught up in it have a really massive advantage because they don't eliminate themselves from any contention for any prospect. Even though a guy, a guy like Bravion Rogers decommits in early August, AM doesn't stop calling. They don't, you know, cut him off. They don't, you know, shun him or anything. They just let him live the process and just continue to recruit him, just like he's any other player who they really want to be a part of their program. And I, I think it shows when you get results like this. What does it mean for Bravion to be back in the fold from a football standpoint? But also, what does it say overall about AM as a uh, as a recruiting staff and, and as a football program? Well, yeah, no, you you set me up well there because I, I I totally I totally agree with that. The new the the new recruiting, and I would call it the new recruiting. This is more progressive recruiting, if you want to use that terminology. And it's not the old school of, hey, you know, I got three offers, and if I don't go to one or you know all three of those schools and to eliminate, and I don't commit to this program, my future is over. No more football. I have to go work in insurance or something. That's just not how it works anymore. And so I, I thought it was I thought it was really great of them to let him do that. And that's really from my perspective that he, you know, he first committed in April. He was one of the earlier recruit, one of the first recruits, I think, for the 2023 mm-hmm. class, kind of set them up and uh, you know, for success it looked like that. Because this is one of the most talented uh, cornerbacks in the entire 2023 class. And like you said, it comes from Tiny LaGrange. He's a superstar there. And every high school has their superstars, but superstar rankings are really based on potential and how they fit in these bigger programs. 
And so, yeah, that was a huge get to start. And when he, he had been coming back to college station in the summer, he had gone to the, I, I believe he was a t- attendee for the pool party. And so every, everything looked fine. He was locked in. And then, you know, last, well, a month ago, I think it was about August 8th, uh, you and I and, and everybody else in Texas and media just kind of saw that late night, uh, I think it was an Instagram <laughs> post and a tweet. And, you know, I was about to go to bed. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is confusing because I, I, I mean, if it was any other recruit in any other day who was a little, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to A&M, but, you know, I'm keeping my options open type of player. And there's a lot of those guys, and that's fine. But Brave Ground Rodgers was an early, like I said, an early signee, somebody who was recruiting on behalf of A&M as well, the guys he knew, you know, just, hey, it's great here, you know. Hey, come, you know, come in July, you know, see the sites, see the, see the campus, see the facilities. And so when he, he put that tweet or an Instagram post out basically saying, you know, I've talked to my family, I've talked to my friends, and we've made the decision to reopen my recruitment, I kind of looked at that like, you know, there's got to be something else there. There's got to be, hey, like, and like you said, take advantage of going to all the visits you can. And when you do, I mean, these kids have the opportunity of a lifetime to go see what all these schools have to offer, uh, not just what they know A&M has to offer, even though what A&M has to offer is probably more than most, you know, they're tied probably with Alabama and a couple other big universities, Ohio State L- and LSU. And, and yeah, we heard maybe some grumblings about LSU and, and some, and another program we're, we're talking to him and, and trying, trying to see where he was at. But honestly, I think his commitment today and how he, he kind of solidified, he said, I'm, I'm home, you know, and he's probably been home for a while. It's just, he wanted the opportunity to see what else was out there. And there's nothing wrong with that. People think there is something wrong with that. Well, you're being a fan and that's fine, but this is the process. This is a business and these kids are making business decisions. But on, on the, on the side of how big it is for A&M, it, it's huge. It's monumental for the 2023 class, which is built around offensive line and defense right now. And especially in the defensive back group. And he's joining Javon Thomas, who he's good buddies with, who they, I think they played on probably AAU teams together in the past. And those are, you know, combined with him and, and uh, Derek Brooks, I believe, who, um, who uh, is going to play safety there, you know, one very versatile athlete. This is a very, very talented room right now that in combination with the 2022 class this year, who are going to play a lot of snaps and, uh, and have a lot, get a lot of experience this season in the SEC. They're all Most of them, hopefully all of them, are going to be back next year. And they're going to see even more, a lot of them are going to be starters. A lot of them are going to be even bigger rotational players. And when these kids come in, some of them are going to play rotation. And they're going to be playing with some of the best athletes in the country. So it's a no-brainer for me, and I'm, I'm glad to see it was, it was really a no-brainer for Bravion. And uh, I'm very excited. I know you are, too. And, I mean, we, I can't wait to see because this kid, this kid has it. I mean, he has yeah. it at the corner. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing about Bravion and, and this commitment, you know, when you combine Bravion Rogers with Anthony Hill, Javon Thomas, like you mentioned, yeah. Dalton Brooks, like you mentioned, that is, according to 24-7, the 24-7 composite, that is Anthony Hill is the number three prospect in the state of Texas. Over oh, in Texas, yeah. Yes, Bravion Rogers is the number nine prospect in the state of Texas. Dalton Brooks is the number twelve prospect in the state of Texas, and Javon Thomas is the number fifteen prospect in the state of Texas. So that is four of the top fifteen prospects in the state of Texas 
all on the defensive side of the ball <laughs> who are now committed to A&M. And that doesn't even include guys names like David Hicks, who's the number one prospect in Texas, who A&M is part of his, his top two with Oklahoma, and they're in a dogfight in that recruitment. Um, that doesn't include um, Peyton Bowen, who A&M is heavily invested in the idea of flipping him off of his Notre Dame recruitment. And that doesn't include Javion Toviano, who is announcing his commitment at some point relatively soon, we believe, but they're in a dogfight with Texas and LSU and a couple other guys for that. So in other words, the the concern and the consternation about A&M and where their recruiting class was going to land for 2023 was A, early, and B, probably unwarranted <laughs> to a certain extent, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, just – and, and it just continues to show um, that they're not done and that even when it feels like they might be done, they're, they're not done, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that even when it feels – when a guy decommits and it yeah. feels like, you know, for so long, that meant it was over. Like, mm-hmm. oh, when a guy sure. decommitted from your school, it's like, okay, he wouldn't have decommitted if he, was, if he wasn't sure he didn't want to go here. You know, he made okay. the decision to commit. You would think that would mean – he was sure he did want to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you would think it would mean that a decommit means that he doesn't want to come, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not the case. And, and in the case of Bravion Rogers and, and in the case of Johnny Bowens, a converse jets and defensive lineman who uh, has had quite an opening to his uh, senior high school season. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, uh, they are both very much still, you know, Bravion is back in the fold and, and, and Johnny is still very much, um, within the realm of possibility and and in heavy consideration of, of returning to the A&M class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, LinkedIn jobs is an unbelievable place. As you gear up for fall, you need to find the right people for your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And LinkedIn jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. I've mentioned on this show several times that each of the last few positions that I've held in my full-time career, I have found directly through LinkedIn. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And on the flip side, as having been a candidate behind this LinkedIn jobs process, those screening questions are awesome for candidates to know what the biggest priorities from your job description are when you ask those follow-up screening questions, they know what the most important things are in that job based on those questions, and it helps them self-screen and self-filter out. And that is just another reason why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. 
Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Cameron, it is football season, and we are so excited to have real-life Texas A&M Aggies football to talk about. And they got off to a pretty good start. They faced the Sam Houston State Bearcats, perennial FCS powerhouse over the last half decade or so. Yeah, They've lost one game in the last calendar year and a half, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, until they played A&M, yep. won a national championship in the 2020 quote-unquote season yep. and made another playoff run last year. And they came to Kyle Field and they were ready to play. Yeah. Again, we talked nine FBS transfers just last year on from from between the 2021 and 22 seasons on that Sam Houston State Bearcats roster. Yeah. Aggies win 31 to nothing. What were your big takeaways from the Aggies victory over the Bearcats on Saturday? Well, the big I think the biggest takeaway for me was the offense was Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a deep dive into. I mean, yeah, we could. We all could. We could do the deep dive into Haynes King and and look at the two balls he threw, the two interceptions, and go, why are you doing that? Why are you throwing in coverage? You know what? After and after the game ended, after you know six hours of <laughs> with the combined weather delay, we had a lot to think about. You know, you kind of you kind of came in thinking, okay, A&M needs to dominate. We talked about in the pod last week that the defensive line needed to dominate. They needed to keep Jordan Yates in the pocket. They needed to show dominance in accordance with the talent and the and the rotation they had and all the bodies they could put out there, uh, especially on defense, and that A&M's offense needed to show some explosion. The, everything happened, except Jordan Yates did get out of the pocket a couple times. Granted, he's a good athlete. I'll, I'll give him that. He's he, he can run, and he's going to make some noise in the FCS this year. He's gonna he, he's gonna uh, score some points, and he's gonna probably score a lot of rushing touchdowns himself. So I can I can totally see that. But really, the biggest takeaway I have is on offense. It's from the explosive nature that Haynes King had with Anaya Smith in two scores. I think it was a forty-three yard touchdown. I think the other one was a 60, 63-yard touchdown. And yes. I think his first touchdown was to you, Keith Brown, and that kind of beautiful slot fade. He dropped it right in his hands. And we, we saw, I mean, when I did the profile earlier this year on Gil Keith Brown, I was telling people, it was me, I think Robert Barons of Good Bull Hunting, and a couple other people in Texan going, got to watch out. This kid's going to get a lot of playing time. And he is fast, and he is kind of a he, and he is dangerous on posts, on slots, on and, and he can play uh, multitude of positions at the wide receiver in the wide receiver grouping. And so I'm, I'm very pleased in what I saw there. I I think three of when three of his touchdowns are long, explosive plays, and he was giving these receivers a chance to show what they can do. A and showing that his throw power has increased. He's gotten smarter in the pocket. He, we saw him run a couple times, and Haynes showed that athleticism and speed. And of course, we're kind of like, oh, you know, just you know, don't, you know, please slide next time. Or, but hey, he's a tough kid, and I was excited to see him show that toughness and show that demeanor and show that relentlessness to come out and say, hey, I'm going to sling it. And Jimbo trusts me. My, you know, Daryl Dickey trusts me. 
Everybody trust me right now because we need to get down the field in a more vertical nature. We need to show teams, especially in the SEC, that we can match with them. We can match with the Bryce Youngs in which they're getting explosive plays every other play on offense. We can do that. And we have, you know, Devin Shane to to kind of uh, to kind of expel us when maybe the passing game's not doing so hot. But that was the one thing that didn't really occur on on Saturday was that he had I think his I think his total yardage was 43 yards on the ground. I think it was 18 carries. And yeah, at the first half, it was it was pretty atrocious. And that wasn't his fault. It was most of the blocking. And I mean, we could talk about that for an hour of that. You know, maybe this line is still going through a growth period with Steve Adazio, that they're still trying to figure out who fits what position, especially on the left side. And we saw that Trey Zoon, you know, first year starter, Akia Boye, uh, you know, for pretty much first year starter as well at the left tackle left guard and left guard positions. And then Matthew Wyckoff, who backs up starter Bryce Foster, who's out, I believe, with an illness, um, uh, his um his return is, is still up in the air. But again, my, Wyckoff had been playing very well in, in fall camp, so we weren't too worried about that. Now, we did see some high snaps from him to start the game, which was a little worrying. And then um, and then the most interesting part was kind of the rotation. I, I think taking Layden Robinson out, putting Jordan Moko into that, to that right guard position. So that was interesting too. But they cleaned it up in the second half, and a chain did get going. And when he scored his one-yard touchdown, that was a lot of his offense. That was a lot of him running the ball. So really, to kind of sum it up, I haven't mentioned the defense yet, really, because I was I was pretty impressed with them. They pitched a shutout. The defensive line, I think they played eight. It was like eighteen. It was some a big number of how many freshmen played. I, I can't give you the exact number, but it was it was big. And you saw all these names just come out. I mean, you saw Walter Nolan put some pressure and get some pressure in the pocket. You saw. Uh, Shamar Stewart. You saw Denver Harris was huge at the corner position. He was. He he showed you know why he's a five star recruit why he's a guy that should deserves playing time right now. I was very very impressed with those kids and the fact that they pitched a shutout in their first collegiate game, in terms of how much they played, is very very impressive and very very exciting moving forward, because you know the road ahead is there's a lot of offensive teams you're going to play, and so you have to be prepared for that. And I think these kids now have a lot more swagger. They have a lot more confidence. Uh, of what they were able to do, because like you prefaced, Sam Houston State, especially the Sam Houston State team, was good. They were not; they are not a slouch. They are going to be a very good team in the FCS this year. But remember the North Dakota States of the world, you know, have beaten I think Iowa, and they've beaten uh, you know a couple of FBS teams to start the season. It wasn't out of the question. Well, I shouldn't say that. It was not. It was. It was not out of the question that Sam Houston State would be competitive. Were they very competitive in this game? On pa- on paper and on the score, no, but they did hold their own. They it, it, and he made some errant passes and they missed out on some scores, especially when Jordan Gilbert uh, intercepted uh, intercepted Yates. Uh, I think it was at the ten yard line or something like that. That changed the momentum completely because I think they could have probably scored a touchdown. They could have made it close, but A and M shut it down. DJ Durkin shut it down on defense. Said we're not letting these guys score today. And overall, I was very impressed. I was very pleased with what I saw. And I'm excited to see, especially Haynes King. I'm not, again, I'm not really worried about the defense. I think they're going to keep rotating guys in. And this and the veterans and the, play very, very well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Haynes King and, and that offense, you know, I think we have something there. And I think they're going to keep getting better and better because 
what really helps him every week is knowing that he has Anias Smith. He has Agent Zero. I mean, he's got his guy. And that, that guy is going to be there for you no matter what each game when things aren't going well in the passing game. But then you have all these weapons like Evan Stewart, Chris Marshall, who also had big, I forgot to mention them, throw them in there, had very good games in their first collegiate game. So really, I'm not I'm not too worried, and I'm very excited for, for this weekend. I'm pumped. Yeah, absolutely. I think you sort of nailed all the points there in that, you know, what you wanted to see from the AM offense was explosiveness. And they put up as many 40-yard passing plays in this game against Sam Houston as the entire season, the entire team did in all of the 2021 season. I actually love that stat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that's amazing, like, just yeah. how uh, how unbelievable that is. And, and, I mean, your quarterback throws for 364. He throws two interceptions. Both of the – and there was another ball deep to the post that he, you know – he threw too flat, needed to put mm-hmm. some air under it. But he, you know, it, even if he just puts the ball over the top a little bit more to Evan Stewart to the post on the play that B.J. Foster, the five-star former Texas recruit um, for Sam Houston, intercepted, you're looking at a 21 for 31, 400-yard, four-touchdown day for your quarterback and you're looking at two receivers with over 100 yards on the day mm-hmm. and like just a, a unbelievable day uh, from the offense and you're looking at a 40 to nothing victory. And then my favorite, my favorite number from the, from the game is probably the fact that the the biggest gay single play that Sam Houston had in the entire game was a fake punt in the fourth quarter <laughs> uh, when the game was, you know, already well out of reach and the, the punter takes the snap and runs for 18 yards yeah. uh, on a, on a fourth down when the, when the, the game was, well, 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 out of reach, and so yeah. that's that's my favorite individual stat. And if, <laughs> if you if you pull that out, they had 180 yards of total offense on the day. Yeah, they shut them down completely. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it was it was what I think a lot of people that, and that's why I, that's kind of how I took it at, took it at the end. I think a lot of people looked at it and went, "Oh, it's only 31 to nothing." I saw other fan base, oh, "You only beat them 31." I'm like, they didn't do anything. <laughs> they, yeah. they were they literally kind of showed up and AM's defense did not let them get past the 50 at, at at some points. I mean it was it was a total dominant shutdown. It just wasn't the kind of violent defensive party that people like to see and think, oh well that's dominance, because they don't, you know. But hey, they they did their job and then some. So yeah, absolutely. Know. And there's also the dynamic that you know, you have this three-hour rain delay, and what does that do to the offense, to an offense when they come out in the second half? And how long does it take AM to sort of get rolling again? And they sort of made a very conscious decision to come out and run the football in the second half and to to put an emphasis on getting that part of the game going. There's yeah. there's definitely some well-earned um, concern about the interior offensive line uh, just because – you know, you had the illness to Bryce Foster and the fact that how little he's practiced over the course of the of the 2022 year between track and field in the spring and then being hurt in the fall. And, and Matt Wyckoff had a good camp. All the reports were good coming out, but he's not Bryce Foster, right? Yeah. And then, and then you have Layden Robinson, who also, you know, missed a pretty decent mm-hmm. amount of camp. Um, and so they had the rotation going with Jordan Moko. And that's just... That's a ton of instability on the interior offensive yeah. line 
in an area that relies on communication and continuity and all that kind of stuff. And then you pile on the fact that Sam Houston brings a lot of movement and a lot of stunts and twists and things like that uh, on the, on the, especially on the interior of the defensive line. And that's a, that's a tactic that teams will use when they are a little bit overmatched from a Mm -hmm. physical capability standpoint to try to create angles and disruption, especially in the running game. And that's what Sam Houston was able to do. So hopefully, you know, you'll see A&M get this, get some stability going on the offensive line. Hopefully, you know, Bryce Foster feels better and is able to work his way back into the starting lineup. They'll get Layden worked up to a full workload and things will start to look better as we start to turn our eyes towards week two, which is Appalachian State. So Cameron, talk to me a little bit about this insane game that Appalachian State played in week one, where they took on the University of North Carolina. And at one point, go I'll say it this way, going into the fourth quarter, the score was 41 to 21. <laughs> North Carolina, <laughs> and there were 62 points scored between the two teams in the fourth quarter. Just yeah. bonkers game going on between these two teams. And it, the be- one of the best parts to me is very rarely do you see one of these big schools like North Carolina go play at a place like Appalachian oh, State. Yeah. I love the fact that it was at App State. <laughs> and just – Two missed two-point conversions in the last two minutes of the game for App State. Talk to me about, you know, what this team is, you know, what we know about them from this one game. That A, they'll score a lot of points, and they can do it in a hurry if you let them. Yeah. And, uh, and then what AM needs to sort of do to have, have the right sort of outlook going into this matchup. Yeah, no, we'll we'll do – so, you know, I, you know uh, – after the first game, we're, you know, we're still doing a lot of analysis and, you know, that's what we just did with Sam Houston state. And so I've had, I've had a little time, you know, so far to look at Appalachian state from a deep dive, but, Oh, and you forgot to mention the special teams play. I mean, that, that ended the game and, and then the, the North Carolina player returns it and gives them what 20 seconds left and go, Hey, here you go. Team that is going to shred our defense. You know, you scored 33 to 34 points in the fourth quarter already. Why not see if you can score 42? Exactly. We had a break during the weather delay. So everybody on Twitter, like, Oh, you got to go watch this game. So, all right. You know, and, and you knew right when that happened, that Chase Bryce was going to their quarterback, Appalachian States quarterback, Chase Bryce was going to go down the field and just shred him. And he did. And he just found the open. So really that that's, there's my summary. No, I'm just kidding. But that, App State, like who I just mentioned, is led by Chase Bryce, who's been in college football for a long, long time. He, I think he started with Clemson. I think he was a kind of four, high four-star player, I believe. And then he, I think he went to, I think he went to Duke, and then he went to, might have gone to Northwestern. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. But he's been, he's been in a lot of systems for a long time. And he leads that he's the leader of this offense. App State has been through a plethora of coaches over the last couple of seasons. I think that I, I can't think of their new coaches right now, but they're they're a very very they're very respected in college football. They will give you a game. It doesn't matter who you are. And Jimbo Fisher said that um, on Monday. He was talking about how they. I think he played them uh, when he was with LSU. 
as their offensive coordinator. And he said, I think that we were up like 30 scores or something, but they just kept coming out and digging and trying just, and just the effort was relentless. And so I, I couldn't tell you right now exactly what the outlook is now because they are kind of a wild card because we, but we have to look at it from the defensive standpoint first, their offense, they have a good quarterback. They had two very good running backs. They have a, a pretty speedy receiving core. They, you know, the, the offense is, is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty standard in college football to, in, you know, standard college football, pretty fast, pretty, you know, very fast cadence. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where if you're a and you're coming off of a shutout game where defensively you dominated, offensively you showed a lot of promise, and this is now Haynes King's second full game with Texas A&M, and it's against a team that scored 61 points, but it's also against a team who gave up 63 points, so we have to really hit on that. They, they played zero defense, and when you watch college football, when you watch any football and you, you know what you're watching – Give an example. Iowa played South Dakota State this weekend. They won seven to three. It was an atrocious game from an offensive standpoint. What saved them was really good defense, was shutdown defense. AM, I, I don't think AM's defense, especially their defensive line, is afraid of Appalachian State. I don't think they are going into this weekend in some type of fear that they scored a lot of points. So we really got to buckle down. I think that specifically defensive back room is going to have to look at, okay, well, let's go watch some tape from last week. Let's look what we did wrong specifically, especially in zone coverage against San Houston state. What let, what let Jordan Yates kind of run on us a couple times. You know, we had some, we had some coverage issues, but look, I just don't think they're afraid of them. I don't think Jimbo Fisher's afraid of them. I think he's excited to play a really good program, a really, a, a very respected program in app state. And I, I'm sure they're excited to come to Texas A&M. Cause like you said, that, game going to app state that was the biggest game in their history yeah. that was the biggest game in their history and we what do we know app state from doing i was in seventh grade i think they beat michigan <laughs> oh, that yes. and, and blocked the punt and beat michigan absolutely beat michigan yeah and that that's like one of the most historic games ever and ever in college football history so they are they're very well known to everybody every everybody knows who app state is they usually refer to them as app state instead of appalachian state but yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be a fun game. I think uh, I think A and M is gonna be ready for them. But I think a lot of fans specifically. So that's what I'm trying to counter here is that you, yes, look at the score of how what they scored on offense. I get it. It's big number. And Jace Bryce passed for nearly 400 yards and six touchdowns. And the running backs had a couple touchdowns each. But look at what they gave up. And if you re if you if you rewatch the game. The defense was horrible, and they it seemed like they didn't show up. They just stopped caring, They and they just knew. It's like they knew, well, you know, we have a good enough offense, and North Carolina's not playing defense either. We can get back in this, and they did. But, um, but A&M is, is a defensive-minded squad, and they have – look, they just have too much talent right now for, for them to go into this game afraid. So, I mean, that's been my biggest takeaway right now is that a lot, a lot is going to come out of, about you know. Uh, does A and M have to keep up offensively with them? You got to slow the rope there because this is not you know this is not a team that is just going to score fifty plus on everybody. That's not going to happen. It was a, it was kind of an aberration. It was week one. 
you know, we look at like North Carolina State played East Carolina and they were a heavy favorite in that. That the, the team itself, North Carolina State, was a heavy favorite to win the ACC. And they struggled a lot. And they got they they were lucky to get out of there without a loss. And they kind of showed the rankings. They they dipped in the rankings. And so you gotta remember, week one is is week one. Things happen, you know. We go back, uh, you mentioned on the pod, I think last week we go back to AM in the in the COVID year. They played Vanderbilt at home, and I think they won 17 to 12. Yep. Against Vanderbilt, who I don't think they won another game. I, I don't, I don't think they did. But come on, it's th- people are still adjusting. Like we said with the offensive line, they're still adjusting. This is like the NFL in a way. You know, you have off seasons where guys get hurt, guys are out. So week one, you know, like in the NFL, week one is kind of you know, it's week one. It's we're excited. Football's back, but it's not the most important thing right now. It's just just get out healthy, try to win the game. But if you go zero and one. It's not the end of the world. If you go one and zero, well, yeah, it's great. College football, it's a little more detrimental for teams like AM to obviously go zero and one. That would be horrific and kind of destroy their chances at anything this year. But they're one and zero. They're playing at home for the next two weeks. They're confident. I'm confident in them. So yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the journey for Chase Bryce. So well, he yeah. enrolled at Clemson in 2017. Was with Clemson. <laughs> For uh, the 2018 and 2019 seasons, Jeez. transferred to Duke in February of 2020. Right. Okay. So that then spends one year, the COVID year, transfers right before COVID, a month before COVID starts. The COVID year happens. He plays that year at Duke. December okay. of 2020, he enters the transfer portal again and transfers to App State where he's been for the last two years. So this guy, he has had quite the journey, like you said, through college football. And again, I mean, if you think about it, other than the touchdown numbers, his numbers are not that different than what Haynes King put up. And you could, I mean, no shot at North Carolina, but like you could argue the defenses are not that different. Like, especially what what Sam Houston was able to put out there from a talent standpoint. I bet BJ Foster would have been the highest ranked recruit in that North Carolina secondary if he was playing for North oh, yeah. Carolina. Oh yeah, I guarantee. So, yeah. so there's um, there's no reason to be more concerned than you based on the results of the games exactly. in Week One than you would have been going into the game. As you uh, yeah, I agree. It's, yep. it's Appalachian State. They have the reputation as, you know, the giant slayers that will go mm-hmm. into anybody's house and give them a game and give them all that they can handle. But A&M just, just faced a, a relatively similar situation in Sam Houston of a bunch of local kids. Some of them were from the college station. You know, it's less than an hour from Huntsville to College Station. Like, oh, I know. It's, it's, like it's, it's yeah. It's, it's basically a, a. They got in buses and drove to College Station. Yeah. They didn't, you know. And so uh, they they just faced a team trying to come in and kill the giant. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest jumps that you will see within a season, especially for a team like A and M that ran out something like you said earlier, like eighteen true freshmen or something mm-hmm. like that in this game. Yeah. The biggest jump you'll see within a season is the difference between game one and game two, because this game two, it's no longer their first college football game. It's no longer their first time at Kyle Field in front of 110,000 people. It's no longer any of that kind of stuff. Now it's football. Now it's back to work for another week. 
get through the week, go through the game plan, get out there and execute. And I think Ganim's going to be in a good place coming out of this App State game, going into week three for the big matchup against Miami. Yeah, my last point. My last point is yeah, they're they're confident because I remember Nia Smith. They were asking quite a lot of questions about the weather delay and what they were doing in the locker room, and he basically said, "We weren't playing around. We were we were kind of doing push-ups. We were just we were getting getting our legs going. We were walking around. We were just getting getting ready. We thought it we, they they thought it might be canceled at one point, but you know when they heard you're going back out, he said, "This is all business. We're going to shut this down. We're not playing around anymore. These guys are." I just want to. I just want to push this. These guys are determined. These are not. They are not playing. They're not going to play with App State and come in afraid or thinking. Well, they did this last. But they are not. These guys are ready. And your your point is perfect. These kids now have a full game under their belt. These freshmen, they're having fun. A lot of them. I saw a lot of smiles. A lot of. They're having a good oh, yeah. time. And they're oh, going to yeah. be ready for this. And they're going to have fun with this game. And so so yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna dive more into to this match obviously though this week and. It's going to be interesting. So, Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for listening to us today. Um, I am Joey Ikes. Like I said, you can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. That's J-O-E-Y-I-C-K-E-S. And you can find Cameron on Twitter at Cameron Honesty, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-O-H-N-Y-S-T-Y. Um, you can find the show at Locked on Aggies on Twitter Please check us out on your podcast platform of choice with Locked on Aggies. Please leave us a five-star rating and review there so we can grow the show there. And you can find our YouTube channel, Locked on Aggies, on YouTube. Do all the YouTube things. Like, comment, share, subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you get notified every time we post a new video. Thanks again for making Locked on Aggies your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.